Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, episode number 71 is about to be a home run. That's right, because your boy Snags is back on the potty this fortnight. Uh, sorely missed, I heard, on last episode, and some extreme shade thrown my way, which I absolutely feel disrespected for one. Uh, two, if I had more words in my vocabulary, I'll tell you how else I was feeling, but I don't. So other than that, I'll just say a big uh, welcome back to myself. Uh, it's been yeah many, many weeks, actually two weeks since I've heard myself speak on the podcast and you know what, it's bloody arousing and I'm, I'm all about it. So, uh, But you know, I won't give the fans too much of myself early on, I'll throw over to the man with the buttons just taking a sip of a sweet beverage right now. Deal, how are we? Snags, I'm good. Good to see you back on deck, mate. <clears throat> Thank you, I appreciate the non-compliment there, but uh, <laughs> the acknowledgement. I, honestly, it is good to uh, have you back on deck. Was a little bit concerned because we are uh, one night later than we usually record, but that's okay. Very I think uh, it worked well for all the boys. So uh, Snags doing his uh, little bit for the community. So thank you, Snags. Uh, anytime, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, boys, on today's podcast, the lads are heading back to their roots. Uh, we dive into UFC 276. Also, welcome back an old mate to the potty, fresh from Alec Falkonowski's camp and his own camp. JVH joined us once again, part of the Rib fam, so it's good to talk to Justin again. Speaking of JVH, the bloke that's across from me is the man that holds JVH's Coastal Combat belt, <laughs> Coastal Combat champion, Stoney. What's good, mate? Uh, what's not good is either JVH's integrity or Australia Post's um, <laughs> speed, uh, because I've not got the belt deal, Oof. and I'm sick and tired of waiting. So the next time I see JVH DL, yep. there could be a bit of trouble. Uh, that's in about 30 minutes. Today. So. Yeah, today. <laughs> Look out. That's a bit awkward. Well, to someone that doesn't cause controversy on the podcast, uh, the man that just gives us stats upon stats, stat man. I've never seen the word stats three times in my <laughs> life in a row, but I have now. How are you? Mate, I'm doing well, and I, I must say the from the 71 home run, we did miss you last week. That was perfect. I was wondering, I was wondering what you were going to rhyme with that. So good to have the rhyming couplets back at the, to start the podcast off. Good UFC card on the weekend just gone. Bunch of uh, up-and-coming prospects getting another win in the UFC, and I'm very excited for the UFC 276 discussion and JVH on the podcast. Yeah, it should be a good episode, boys. Let's jump into 71 with a bit of housekeeping. Now, boys, a bit of housekeeping this week is obviously going to touch on the leaderboard. Still not sure Snags is fully aware of what happened last I am, week. I'm, I'm absolutely disrespected. I think it's firmly unfair, and I will take you all to run at that court <laughs> at some stage this, this, this season. So we actually took a point off Snags last week for an absentee. This doesn't just hold for Snags. Like, this will be, if anyone misses the podcast, we'll uh, lose a point. Boys, let's jump into how they played out. So we had England versus New Zealand, and England swept the series, which I did say on the potty. Uh, that was going to happen. So uh, England swept the series. Geelong beat Richmond in an absolute classic. Yeah. Uh, me and Stoney obviously are passionate fans. Uh, Stoney, a Geelong fan, myself, a Richmond fan. It was an absolute classic. Uh, State of Origin, it's tied at 1 1 now. New South Wales. Oh, boys. Yeah, Statman, <laughs> and, uh, Statman and Snags were, were pretty reassured us really that it was going to go 1 1 before they head up to. I think, do they head up to Queensland for the third one? Ah, uh, yeah, they're in Brisbane, so tough game for the Blues, Oof. boys. Uh, Allberg, our uh, resident uh, model, as Statman put it, KO win in the first. And I can't remember everyone's individual pick, but the the leaderboard finished 
uh, with myself getting five. Snags lost a point. So we had four and we, we docked him one. So he finished on three. Statman finished with four and Stoney finished with four. Stoney still leads with 11 points, uh, but I've closed that gap and on 10. Stoney's still the winner. Still happy with that? Uh, still happy. New Zealand almost. They, at one point, they fought themselves into a short lived favouritism during the second innings DL and I thought I'd got away uh, with murder but not to be as it turns out the New Zealand middle order collapses quicker <laughs> than Dion Prestia <laughs> oh fuck that's rough are you happy with four weeks uh, mate I, four weeks is fine I think if you're looking at the tribunal the way it, what do they call it they categorise everything um, it was always going to end up three plus so four was probably a good result for well not a good result no one wants to see anyone miss games but Dan Presti's going to be out for 12 days. So. Yeah, a fair result. Do you know what I just realised? My uh, individual pick that I put in last podcast remotely uh, has not run yet. <laughs> they play, play this weekend. <laughs> oh, I took the Bulldogs one that, that round. So you, you got it. So the Bulldogs. Oh, you gave me the extra Yeah, point. I gave it to you. Yep. Oh, good. Right. We'll double yep. it up when they win. So you got weekend. the three. So that, just, that shows. <laughs> so the three points that you got from your individual pick shows how bad you went for the other picks. Are you so. for real? Yeah, mate. I thought I got all those. No, right. no. Nah, you went, you went cheeky you and you went Wales. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So just pipe down there, snakes. All right, boys. Let's jump into a bit of hot take. Wimbledon kicks off this week, boys. And as per usual, there's always controversy around it, from uniforms to vaccination status to now a ban on Russian players. Obviously, the number one player in the world is Russian, uh, which has basically turned the event into an exhibition event with no ranking points available. Boys, this is not just about Wimbledon, and we can't be afraid to tackle the big stories on the Run It Back podcast, but should politics play any part at all in sport? Who's the number one, isn't it? Medvedev. Oh, what happened to... um? Well, he missed out on he missed out on um, the Melbourne Open. He's not vaccinated. So he's not number one anymore. <laughs> anyway. He's, yeah. he's, he's able to play in Wimbledon, but Medvedev's uh, not able to play. Don't even get me started on this. Uh, no, politics shouldn't play a, a role in anything in life because uh, it's a bloody shamble and I won't take part of it. And that's why I'm still campaigning to be the mayor of Tasmania, <laughs> premier of Tasmania, so I can bloody write one of the states in this country for once. An outsider. I love it. Tasmania, the lawless state. Well, man, yeah, the Snags doesn't like the laws anyway, so ban them all. The world needs some sort of order, though. It does. Snag order. Snag order, <laughs> baby. That's a SWA. terrifying place. <laughs> SWO coming for you. That's my party name. Actually, if I had a political party, I'd call it the National Treat Party because I'd be treating everyone to bloody good time. <laughs> National okay. Treat Heard it here first. Tasmanian Treat Party, the TTP. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Yeah, what did you say? We shouldn't be afraid to tackle the big stories in the Run It Back podcast. Now, you you know me reasonably well, DL. Yep. You should be afraid to do a hot take <laughs> and include vaccination status yeah, in, in the hot take. Yeah, it was, but Whew, I'm just talking about is, Wimbledon. I'm keen to get Statman's take on this. Is there a little bit of hypocrisy of banning Russian players for their invasion, for their government's invasion of Ukraine, when you look at the long, long list of countries that the US has invaded over the years. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm not a fan that they, they've banned the Russian players. Um, e- even irrespective of the politics, surely there's got to be some, some separation between uh, the participants themselves and, and what their political leaders, because 
Lord knows at DL, we're not always on board with what our political leaders do. So no, I, I don't like it. And as for the, the vaccination status, uh, yeah, poor old Novak Djokovic, um, obviously missed Australian Open and we're, we're the only one-step man, Australian Open. So Wimbledon, uh, French, he's able to play everywhere but just wasn't the Australian Open based on some of the most unscientific science we've ever seen DL. So not a fan of, of that impacting on who, get, who gets to play. Yeah, my fault for putting that in there, <laughs> Trigger and Stoney. Um, everyone. Politics should, yeah, absolutely not play any part in sports. Um, the unfortunate, I suppose, reality is that politics will always play a part in sports. Um, leaders uh, like, uh, and the, the logic behind the UK's decision to not allow um, Russian and Belarusian fighters is it makes some level of sense. I don't think that the individual should be uh, punished for the the result of the the efforts and the actions of their their leaders. But when you look at uh, people like Vladimir Putin, Ramzan Kadyrov in Chechnya, they use their sports stars as national heroes. And a victory of someone who is likely to come, if not the number one at Wimbledon, but very, very high, for Russia to be able to use that as a symbol of Russian exceptionalism and be able to say, oh, this is this is an example of why Russia is the number one country – Leaders have been doing that the entire uh, the, the entire time that sports have existed. Stoney hit the nail on the head, though. It's all about perspective when the US invades Iraq or Afghanistan and US players still be able to perform on a global scale. Um, I get why the UK doesn't want to be seen as promoting the, the use of Russian athletes as a poster child for the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but I feel like it's very, very unfortunate that the people who are affected by this is Medvedev and, and other Bel- like Belarusian and Russian players. Conor McGregor has been dropping hints about his return to combat sports, but seems to be indicating a rematch with Floyd Mayweather in his sights. Dana White has responded saying McGregor's return will be in a cage. Who do you see as an ideal return bout for McGregor? And does the Mayweather rematch interest you? Snags. Contro- controversial from Snags. I actually don't care either way. <laughs> Fair. Because yeah. it's been going on for fucking ever. Mm. And it's like if I wanted to see McGregor fight someone, I would walk up to him in a bar and step <laughs> on his Gucci shoes. Because no way that kid is fighting in the next bloody galaxy of bloody years. It's just all talk. <laughs> I don't care. I actually don't care if he fights again. I'm I down. like it. I like that. That is a controversial take, yeah, isn't it? That's good. DL, I do care. I do care if he fights <laughs> again. Um, I'm not particularly wedded. I don't think anyone's wedded to seeing McGregor Mayweather number two. Uh, I would like to see it back in the cage. I, The fan in me would like to see McGregor and Tony Ferguson, but I feel like that ship's already sailed in terms of a win over Tony Ferguson doesn't do much, um, really, for your credibility. I think if he wants to be... Uh, taking it seriously and getting back into the rankings, a Michael Chandler fight makes an abundance of sense. Mm. But I'm still contrary to the dissenting view that Statman will have. I'm still not ruling out that he may, in fact, get a title shot, whether that's right or wrong. I'm not completely ruling that out. There's a sequence of events which could unfold, which could lead him to coming back to take on Charles Oliveira. And I know that would upset the masses. Um, but regardless of whether it's Chandler, Ferguson, Oliveira, I'm just down to see the great man return. I think there's nothing nothing brings excitement of a fight week, like a Conor McGregor fight week. So regardless of who it's against, uh, I'm all down for it. Do you know what? I disagree. Jack Jenkins fight week in the UFC would be highly arousing. <laughs> would 
definitely would be. It would be. Um, told you. Told you. Hey, I'd be there for it. It would be. Um, Mayweather fight, absolutely not interesting at all to me. I don't want to see McGregor box again. I want to see him back in the cage. Um, he's obviously chasing it for the payday, but he, yeah, which is completely understandable. Why? Why? He doesn't need the money. Exactly. Uh, as far as as far as a UFC bout goes, my favorite, like if you were to rank the top three victories of Conor McGregor at lightweight, there's number one would obviously be Eddie Alvarez in 2016, and that's his only victory at lightweight ever in the UFC. Um, so I would love to see him fight a contender. The Michael Chandler fight makes a huge amount of sense to me, Stoney. Um, Justin Gaethje as well, although I feel like that might be too much too soon considering his layoff uh, and the layoff and return from a, a serious injury. I actually think it might be perfect time for a Diaz fight, the third uh, the third fight in the Diaz trilogy, get it done at 170, um, and, then, and then we go from there. But uh, if he comes back to a Charles Oliveira title fight, I, I will... I will burn my house down. I will be furious about that prospect. Statman, you are welcome to come and watch it in DL's theatre because your house will be in flames. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, you're always and, welcome and, down and here. The shitty thing is I know Jesus. I'll watch it. I know, I'll, I know that like three days out from the event, as angry as I am about uh, Islam Makachev or like countless guys who are rising through the ranks Jack getting overlooked by Conor McGregor, I'd get hyped for it in the last three days and I'd end up having to watch burnout Piece of shit house that's like that's that's dissolving around me. Well, you got a very nice zoom background on it at the moment, mate. So yeah, well thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank I, you. Put, I put the post. I made sure Stony had the poster behind. See if I could get any anyone yeah, inspired, but uh, no one took the bait. I want, I want snags versus Conor McGregor in in the Black Iron Forge Pub. I want that. I want that going down now. I want that going down as well. An old classic bar fight. I yeah. Glasses, pints at the ready. Oh. That was just all talk. <laughs> You'll have the kinder hands coming after you. Not sure if you boys have watched the little Instagram video that uh, I attached to the rundown, but uh, LeBron James triple logo man card, where Drake apparently spent more than $200,000 to unsuccessfully track it down. These boys pulled it and it sold Can watch for. Watch it? Can it- you put it live? Put it. Oh, I can put it. Sort of put it on the podcast, I suppose. All right, boys. Yeah, I think I can pull it up. Let me. Here it is, it's boys. Horizontal. Oh fuck me! What a catch! What a catch! Is this it? Are people saying lamb? People saying CD lamb? Guys, I need you guys to get the camera. How out. did he know? My because of the shape so of it. Apparently. Right now. Get this clip ready. He knew it was going to be an important one. Let's go be great, guys. Why is he in a suit? Let's go be great. Oh my god. No. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? I don't understand. I can't even see the card. It just had three NBA logos on it. So it's a, it's, it's a <laughs> snags. I'll explain. I'll explain what it is. It's a, it's a one-off card, Panini card. Yeah. Um, and what it is is it's three logos from LeBron James, cut from the the uniforms that LeBron has worn in his career from three different um, sports teams. Ah, copy. Got ya. Into a card. Got ya. Got ya. And it's a one-off. So the briefcase you saw there, they go for they go for I think ten thousand dollars. The briefcases. Um, yeah, the briefcases, and they have 10 cards in them, those Jesus briefcases. Um, and you see uh, there's a video of Drake on the hunt for the triple Logerman, and he's got 12 – he's got something like 20 cases around <laughs> him. Uh, and he's like, oh, on the hunt for the loop. And he, and he doesn't find it, obviously, because those <laughs> 2. guys – 2.4 mil. 
Yeah, that's what that's it's a lot sold of money for. for a car. That's crazy. crazy. Good return on investment. I've got three things I would buy for an extreme amount of money. Well, let me finish uh, the question and then you can answer. Oh, okay. So, proceed. <laughs> Is there a piece of memorabilia, boys, that you have or would spend big dollars on? Snags is already loaded. I've got three, yeah. Go. One would be uh, probably Adam Reynolds' jersey from 2014 South Sydney Grand Final winning game. Ooh, is it available? I uh, don't, don't think Ooh. so, no. Uh, two would be uh, one of Kurt Angle's gold medals, I think would be really cool to have. <laughs> Uh, and third one would cool. be the limited edition first uh, drop, first shirt that was ever dropped for Jack Jenkins from RMB. <laughs> I think that's worth a fair bit. Is it? Oh, man, 100. That's a re- that's got, play relic, one of a kind. Mine's got a hole in it now. I want it that much. Uh, I, got the, I got the sample one, so that's the oh, uh, one of one. It's the one of one. Yeah. I don't think I want snags a sample Jack Jenkins shirt <laughs> just quietly down. I've got my King Casey top on today. Oh, dear. Getting after it. Stony. Uh, I've got, yeah, got some, you know, I get very roused by the whole mm. uh, sports card talk. Uh, the one thing going through my mind when I look at that video, DL, is why are our breaks never that exciting? <laughs> what have we got? we got a Derek Lewis and a Sarah McMahon yeah, silver. So I think it's behind Sarah me somewhere. McMahon. A little bit of a letdown compared to the uh, triple they're, logo. They're the, best logo two, they're the best two out of that box. Yeah, Rob oh, Whitaker yeah. and Nate Diaz. There we go. Uh, I've got some pretty cool ones, mate. I've actually got, uh, and I think DL's seen them. I've got a... a a memorabilia card from the LA Lakers. So it's got Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and Rob Horry, a patch of their each of their respective jerseys on it. That's it. That's really cool. Uh, I've got a couple of Michael Jordan uh, jersey patches. Got three Conor McGregor autos. Um, yeah, got a quite a, a neat little card collection happening in the background. What's funny is I never buy packets deal, so I'm not actually technically a, a collector of cards. But when I see one that I like on eBay, uh, I'm all about that. I don't have anything like cool that I've collected in the past, but what I would love is uh, maybe like a Darren Albert jersey that he wore for the 1997 uh, yeah, Grand Final where the Knights got over. Uh, he scored the try in the last 16 seconds. Absolutely made my childhood. <laughs> I, I think I rode that high for about 15 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they won again in 2001. They did. They did win in 2001. They beat the Eels. It was a good, good game. Uh, and then probably uh, following a similar path to Snags here, going to the WWE, I'd probably grab one of Kane's masks. I reckon uh, having... Yeah, having one, a, cane. having one of Kane's masks, specifically one of the ones that like went around his mouth, not like the 1997 full face mask. That's a but, weird uh, one. One of Kane's or Rey Mysterio's masks or Mankind's masks. I'm, I'm big into the, the pro wrestlers. Not the luchador masks outside of Rey Mysterio, but um, definitely the, the mask fighter ones. I reckon mm. they're cool. Nice. Deal. Uh, I'm, I'm not into a lot of history, as in like I'm not really, like it doesn't do anything for me. I like new things. I would like a game-worn Kyler Murray helmet from the Arizona Cardinals. Mm. Oh, a helmet would be cool. I don't, and I don't know how hard it is to actually get a game-worn one, but like a full-size replica one would be cool if he signed it and stuff. Mm. So True. Um, I reckon yeah. getting like a like a, a square inch cut of like the original UFC one canvas would be absolutely dope. Or something, well, like, cool. something like that would be really, really cool. Now, boys, we've been doing a little pop culture on there and it's been either focused on movies or TV. So I thought a bit of fun tonight, I thought we'd do a bit of movie trivia. Falls really into uh, Statman's wheelhouse here. and I'm just going to mute my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so have a snacks. I reckon you're... Mate, they're all from Rudy. They're all from Rudy. <laughs> oh, great track. Boys, have you seen <laughs> that movie? Fine. So, movie. boys, the rules are really simple. So there's no cheating. I've 
got you guys to grab a piece of paper and I hope you follow right. the instructions and it's very rare that you guys do. Um, pieces of paper, texter, lovely. Now, if it's from a series or a, I want it to you be want accurate. Specifics. You specifics. Tell me what one it's from. And shit. No, well, there's no, it's just movies. So if it's from a series in a movie. So if it was oh, Lord of the God. Rings, I need to know if it's Two Towers or Fellowship of the Rings. And Stoney's fucked because he doesn't watch any of those things. But I haven't done that to you, Stoney. Good. Ah, oh, man. Come on. Let's go. You can do it with accents. I'm not. Okay, He's got okay. audio clips. Oh, <laughs> He's not going to do that. I thought you were going to read them out. I'm a mad. What are you Hello, like? Frodo. I want to get Logan's. Hey, Frodo, where is the ring? <laughs> to the Godfather. <laughs> Ruby, you must go and play the best game. I don't know why everyone I'm doing is Italian. Though. Let's go. All right, boys. Yeah. Let's jump into the audio. Hey, can I borrow your odorant? Yeah, I get uh, smelly garbage or old dumpster. You get the uh, low tide? No. How about wet dog? Yep, stick it up. All right, boys, you got five seconds to write it down. Three, two, one. All right, boys. Yes, that oh, yeah. man. Monsters Inc. Snags? Oh, All right, Snags is a shopping trip because I had no clue what. <laughs> Stony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Stony, we were both close. <laughs> we got six more. We got five more of these. <laughs> All right, boys, number two. Stupid elf. You could have killed me. Dobby never meant to kill. Dobby only meant to maim or seriously injure. Ooh. They kind of cut off the uh, the start of that one. I think you'll You know it, it so well that, that you know, man. what was cut off. <laughs> It's that oh, man was just about to finish the rest of the scene. <laughs> I don't actually know it. I got it. Yes, yeah, I knew Snags would be all over this one. I think I, I don't know if I got the right one though. Let's go. Show. Snags. Go. Because it's Dobby, right? Yeah. Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. Deathly Hallows. Which one? Part one. Yes, correct. It's that man. What'd you put? I've got, I've got a blank I've got a blank <laughs> page, mate. Right? No, I'm out, mate. I had nothing. Alright, boys, number three. It's a key. No. Much more better. It is a drawing of a key. Yeah, it's not Amber Heard snacks. <laughs> Three, two, one. Who's ready? Uh, it's one of the words in the title is incredibly long. So <laughs> <laughs> I go, is it a black pearl? No. Oh, fuck. Stoning? Um, not sure about this one, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I said Stoney has bad hair. <laughs> Joe Biden falling over. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Statman was half right, cause it, but it was dead man's chest. Dead uh, man's chest. Yeah. Gross. All right. Next one, boys. <laughs> oh, back to school. Back to school. To prove to dad that I'm not a fool. Boys went heads down straight away once I played. Snags. Billy Billy Madison. Yes. That man. Yes. Stoney. Well done, boys. Here's the next one. Why are you guys so sweaty? All right, we've already figured out how to do this. The beds match up perfectly. And here's the thing. It'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. Ah, oh, Snags needed no time. Correct, correct. 
We wait because now Sony just wrote what your answer was, you fool. Sepros. Oh. <laughs> he had nothing written before he wrote it. It's not true. Uh, sweet. All right, boys, last one. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Hamburgers. Hamburgers. The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. Oh, good one. What a great movie. Good scene. I think, good scene oh, too. Yeah. I don't good know if scene. I got this right. All right, we'll just because Stoney's still thinking over there, so we'll give him a couple of moments going through. Uh, <laughs> strategically waiting for the boys <laughs> to show me their deal. <laughs> I'm out. All right, he's out. out. Stoney's gone. All right, at the same time, you boys. Three, oh, two, one. Pulp Fiction. Yes, <laughs> the lads. Nice I didn't one, know if boys. It was Pulp Fiction or Coach Carter. Coach Carter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Nice. All right, boys, that was hot take. Just about have our guest jump on the potty, but before we do that, let's thank our sponsors, Humble Fightwear. Humble Fightwear is an Australian jiu-jitsu brand that celebrates one of the most important parts of martial arts, becoming humble snacks. Uh, Snags, not humble and also very attractive man, just like this brand. Well, they are humble because that's the word, obviously. But if you put this on, you do look extremely attractive and then you can choose to be humble after you tap several people out on the mat because that's just how they roll. Uh, Bloody delicious brand. That's all I've got to say. Uh, They've got a bunch of really, really good images of their gear on their Instagram page, so go give them a follow or go to www.humblefightwear.com.au and help them spread good vibes one purchase at a time. And for being amazing runner-back listeners, the legends at Humble Fightwear are giving you 15% off your entire order. Snags, how do they get that? Secret. (laughs) (laughs) But if you listen to this podcast, you'd bloody find out. If you don't, then it is a secret, isn't it? But the code word, or as I'd like to say, the password, if it is a secret, needs a password, right? RIB15, that's RIB15 when you go to the little bloody checkout. Tell them snacks. Secret. Yeah. <laughs> just great imagine book, if you great didn't say it. Not the only just, podcast that I've ever mate. listened to. And they're just it's like, oh, I didn't get it. Go listen to episode seven. I mean, go listen to episode 61 to find out. Fucking power move. I love it. <laughs> All right, boys, let's bring in our guest. Boys, our guest has arrived. He is part of the RIB family. JVH, welcome. Welcome back on to the podcast. To the, the new, <laughs> You're welcoming us the back new, to our podcast? The new podcast. Welcome <laughs> back, boys. You're on too many podcasts, bro. It's it's sort of really hard to uh, to keep up. Yeah, I'm losing track as to which one is mine, which one is, is not <laughs> Mate, mine. This, this just, one can be yours. This one. I'm you are part here. of the family, so it's fine. Very true. Very true. I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. It's good, mate. It's good. Mate, you've, you've been flat out. Like I said, you have been on a few podcasts lately, which is great. It's, it's good to see you very active on the fight scene as well. you got a fight coming up July 16th. Eternal, what is it, 68 or 67? 67. 67. Yeah, 67. So the boys are looking forward to that. You'd have to be nearly one of the most active fighters in Australia at the moment, yeah? Yeah, especially uh, that's, that was my plan Like for this year. I wanted to have like three fights minimum. The plan was three fights, three wins, three finishes minimum. Um, someone tracked to do that for July 16th. And then, you know, after that, we're looking at fighting again. Probably, I want to probably fight again. And I'll, I'll probably take a bit of a break and then look at fighting in August. Um, there's a couple of eternal cards in August. A bit so. of a break. <laughs> a bit of a break, you know. <laughs> Four weeks. 
bit of a little break and then uh yeah then slap the head off someone else in august see, see, who, see who they give me um i love that obviously you know things are all over the place outside of because obviously i'm not sure what's happening with jack or what's what like because last i heard he was pretty much off to the races so uh yeah i don't know what's going to happen with that but pretty much whether it's you know diego aaron blackie dan jones i don't give a fuck who they give me but your boy's fighting for a belt after this one. When I was looking through and I was thinking, is JBH the, the most active fighter in Australia at the moment? I did find a female fighter, Armenia Hadder. Hadder? Hadea. Hadea. Four fights in 10 weeks. Yep. She's a beast. She's fighting again next week. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. She's my teammate. She's my teammate. She's a beast. Crazy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do you know what her record is over those five, four fights? Uh, she's only lost, I think she's like three and one. She lost one and it was, but she like, she fought Selena Mongi on Eternal yep. and yeah, was, like she lost the decision, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one, but you know, it is what it is. She bounced back straight away, got another win. She's doing the IMAF stuff in Brisbane next week. And then she's probably going to look to fight on Eternal the start of August, she said. And then I know she's going overseas for a bit and then she's going to look to come back and do another fight before the year's out. So, yeah, she's certainly putting it in. I just put up her record as well. Like and when you say like four fights in 10 weeks, that's, that's obviously nuts as it is. But like three of her fights went into the third round. Two of them mm. went, to, went to the scorecards. That's like a lot of cage time. And obviously you want to build that up early on in your career, but like that's a lot of cage time in such a short amount of time. So she's going to be fucking weapon. I mean, she's, like, a, mon- like a, she's a monster. Hundred percent, she's a monster. Like just seeing how, yeah, her just her willingness to sort of just come back straight into the gym, get back to work, and then wanting to fight again straight away is just, yeah, it's a credit to her, man. Obviously, the amateur amateur scene. That's what, like when you saw an amateur, that's what you want to do. And then by the time you get in there and you're a pro, you sort of you're comfortable. JVH, mate, good to have you back on. Absolute tear since we saw you last, and. DL, when, when we caught up with uh, Justin last time, uh, he's obviously his previous fight before that was the, the Costa fight, and we put it to Justin. We put mm. the hard word and said there might be just a few little little traits which, um, you know, sneaking into to his game and, you know, we recounted the, the famous Chael Sonnen saying there was a few mental lapses in his game and just sort of put it to Justin. Could this uh, potentially be holding him back from being from good fighter to world-class great fighter, DL? And I just wanted to point out that since I had that one-on-one with Justin, he's <laughs> since gone uh, undefeated with two of the best finishes of your career. So my question to you, Justin, is on a scale of importance, who do you think's had the biggest impact on your career out of training with uh, the Australian champion, Alex Volkanovsky, or coming on the Run It Back podcast and just getting a little heads up from your boy, Stoney? <laughs> Look, when you put it like that... <laughs> I'd have to put you in pole position and I put like Joe, Joe Lopez as a close second and then we'll give Volko like a special mention. I mean, he's all right. You know, I think, I think I'd do more for him than he does for me. Uh, you know? No, it's good no. to see you in the, uh, in the wind collar, mate. It's been uh, two phenomenal fights. I know the boys have been on the absolute edge of their seats, haven't we, Dale? We have. And not, not only wins, but the finishes, mate. Uh, the rear naked choke and then the triangle choke and a little bit of trash talk straight after the fights, which gets the boys highly up and about too. Oh, man. And Phil Pot talks that much shit in the lead up to that fight. And then I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to let my performance do it, which I did. 
But then when I like when he tapped and I got off him and I looked down and just saw him like laying there confused as fuck, not knowing what <laughs> what just happened. I was like, and then it just came out of me, and I was like, "Yeah, bitch, you wanted this." And, I was like, All right, cool. <laughs> and then Volk and that were like, you know, let's let's drop it back. And I asked Joe, like, when you, when you see me in the cage afterwards, taking my gloves off, I'm like talking to Joe, going, "Do you want me to be humble? Or do you want me to spray this fucking idiot?" And he was like, he was like, "Nah, like, let's just, yeah, you you, you finished him, like, let's just let's just take it easy." So I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." Fair enough. No, very good. Uh, funny story. You'll hear it when it comes to air, but at the very start of the podcast, mate, the boys were ripping into me saying, oh, Sony, you haven't got the Coastal Combat belt. And I said, boys, just hold up because Justin is a, a man of integrity. There's not a chance he hasn't sent that. This this problem lies with Australia Post and you'll be able to listen to this back, mate. I swear word for word, that's how it went down. Uh, so I told you I'll just relax because we've got Justin coming on a bit later and it, it won't be behind him because he's obviously posted it. Um, just want to get your thoughts on that. The belt is no longer in my possession, mate. It is, it is, it is, it is left. Damn straight. South Wales. Australia Post. Can't trust it. It was a, it was a memory of my, you know, that the. I remember the days when I was the Coastal Combat Champion. You know, I was like, <laughs> I think of those now, and I'm like, oh man, can't be living in the past. Now, before we start talking your C two seventy six, let's let's just jump quickly into undefeated opponent. Seven and zero. Yes. Concerns. Yes. Not at all. I love that. I've been talking about this. Like I've just constantly have to hear people like talk about this and, and the fight and that. Like they've been sort of building it up this way that it, it's like it doesn't sort of add up to me. Like the guys, don't get me wrong, he's aggressive, he's explosive, and he's, you know, he's dangerous, especially early on in the fight. He's very dangerous. But he isn't this like level test fight that people are building him up to be. Jack Jenkins would have been the level test fight. Okay. This guy is a, he's one dimensional. He's a striker. He likes to strike. He likes to just come forward and knock your head off. Like that's his game plan from the get go. I guarantee you this guy through his whole camp has not been doing any sort of defensive wrestling, any sort of grappling, any sort of any, anything else. It's the game plan is to come forward and he's going to try and knock my face off, which is cool. But like, there's no, there's nothing else there. Like, so say he doesn't knock me unconscious very quickly, very fast, with like a flurry or some crazy shit. What's the game plan then? Because you can't take me down. Even if you could take me down, you can't submit me. So, like, what is the danger there for me outside of, you know, the the, the aggression and the striking and that only sort of is for a certain period of time because you can't do that for, for three five-minute rounds. Like, that's going to go out the window. Throwing, throwing, throwing everything full clip for three five-minute rounds is not going to be a thing. Like, he's undefeated, yeah. He's beat a couple of good dudes. Like, he beat Rodolfo, but, you know, no disrespect, but beating Rodolfo, especially nowadays, doesn't really fucking mean much, man. The poor guy's chin's so gone. He shouldn't still be fighting, but he still does. Even when I beat him, man, like, as cool as it was to have him on your record, it's not really it's not really like I beat the Rodolfo Marquez that I was used to seeing when I was coming up as an amateur and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then he's got a win over Cody Barnwell, which is another good win. Obviously, Cody's a monster of a dude. Went up and waited for him, so I rate that. Um, but yeah, other than those two fights, man, he hasn't really fought anyone that is worth sort of me going. Oh, okay, this is this 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 makes this guy dangerous. Like he's obviously dangerous, but he's never sort of experienced any sort of adversity as a like outside of the Cody Barnwell fight towards the end before it got stopped for a cut when he was started getting, you know, his face punched off. But um, other than that, he's been able to go out there and do his thing. So credit to the guy. He's obviously dangerous. He's explosive. But he's going to find out that there's a lot more to this game than 
just being able to walk forward and throw hard at someone because that shit's going to go out the window very quickly. Is that man? Yeah, I was just going to mostly ask about like with an, with an opponent who hasn't lost before. Obviously, he hasn't shown um, like glaring weaknesses. When you review tape, what do you what do you look for, or do you just focus on yourself? Do you focus on your own game, or like what what do you take out from reviewing the the tape on a guy who hasn't lost? Um, you you sort of you have to just sort of take it at face value. Like he hasn't lost because he's been able to find success with his abilities, and that ability is that he likes to keep it standing, likes to be explosive and come out. And like I said, every shot's with the intention to put you to sleep. And so far that's paid off for him. But I mean, it's not like I've never seen that before. So that's, it's not like I have to sit here and go over a bunch of footage and, you know, study it to that point. It's, it really comes back to just a simple thing. It's like, take, take that avenue of success that he needs off the table, you know, I don't need to stand there with the dude and get into a fucking kickboxing fight with him for my ego and stand in the pocket and throw throw leather because just because I want to show that I can do that. I've done that in the past. I don't need to do that. Um, but like outside of that, I just don't see what adjustments he can make um, in the fight when when that when that sort of first course of action doesn't go his way. Um, and even then, looking at his fights when he when he has sort of experienced the small bits of adversity here and there. It's not like he's made adjustments and switched things up. He's continued on like just coming forward and continued to try and just punch harder and hit, you know, just, just keep that, like that same energy. And I mean, that's like that, that works here and there. And eventually, you know, you're going to run into someone where it's not going to work. And unfortunately for him, I'm going to be that person on July 16th. Man, looking forward to it. I've got two questions. First one's just a real quick one. Because I just love this shit. But walkout song, what are we going with? <laughs> oh, I let my daughter pick my last walkout song. So <laughs> she killed it. She uh, chose a song from Moana and it was it was a vibe. Best. Um, that it, it was amazing. <laughs> it's so uh, good. I actually, um, yeah, it's, it's up in the air still at the moment. I'm still sort of waiting for her to sort of pick what she likes. <laughs> she, she likes this song from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that I'll make dances around listening to when he's like. A little Groot fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Groot's Mr. Like, Brightside yeah. by Elo. Yeah, yeah. She loves that shit, so maybe that one, but we'll see, man. We'll see. There's, I don't know. I could always throw a spanner in the works, man. I like, I just like, I liked uh, when, I, when I walked out for that last one and then that was sort of playing because I was just, you know, I'm always calm and chill and so relaxed. And then, you know, that was playing. I got even more relaxed. I was just having fun. And then, you know, I seen a couple of the people in the crowd vibing to it. So that was always good. You can spot the parents in the room. Um, so <laughs> Thanks yeah, for being, buddy. Wasn't too bad. Sure. No, yeah, so. Love you that know? song. So um, to go out there, to walk out with a song like that and then to go and finish a fucking dumb cunt from Northern Ireland, it was uh, pretty good. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you really think. Uh, mate, obviously got a bit of a dual thing here. Got Volks Camp going on or basically finished at the moment and then you're obviously preparing for a fight. How's it been doing it simultaneously together, I guess? Is it? Picked up anything? Been any different since a different fight camp, or what's the deal? Um, well, it's always it's it's like the work's going to get done regardless. But it is also it is always cool in boxing camp because then we are sort of pushing it that bit more, you know. Um, and there's a the energy sort of picks up a bit more when he's you know when he's in camp as well because you know like it whether or not it's it, it sort of matters or not, but like. He's obviously preparing for a world title fight. He's defending his belt. 
and you know the there's high stakes and everything like that so for for me when i'm sort of in camp at the same time with him and i'm doing you know we're doing work together and stuff like that i'm just thinking like all right i've got to try and give him the best sort of assistance in any way that i can or what's needed from from me to help him prepare because he's given that back to me tenfold so you know because he's still like outside of his own prep and that mean like he's still coaching and stuff like that he's still taking the time out to ensure that i'm developing and improving and you know hit the mark for things as well so it's been it's been sick man it was another good camp like we had obviously had like guys like jamie malarkey come down again you know we um we just we just sort of the energy was high in the room the work was getting done um i was obviously you know being that i'm tall and quite long and that as well you know for me to sit there throughout the camp and emulate max as best as i can um has sort of obviously i, I hope that sort of benefit him and helped him in his prep and then he was sort of doing the same for me with, with in terms to the skill set that muhammad has and some of the tendencies that he's been able to spot and things that he's been able to pick out muhammad's actually come down to freestyle a few times before i was here and you know so volk's got in the spa with him and moved around with him so he was able to sort of point out a few things and showcase a few things to me um and but even that in 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 me emulating someone like Holloway and just doing that for when I'm sort of moving around with Volt, I've taken a fair bit out of that as well. Like there's, you know, there's certain things that Holloway does or that you can draw from, from his style and, and the way he sort of does a, a certain things that I've been able to sort of add to my toolbox now, which, which is going to be something that, you know, I could potentially utilize in, in, in my, my matchups moving forward. There's like a few little things that he does, little tendencies that he has, that I obviously had to study and, and, and sort of get down pat so that I could try and present them as challenges for Volk when I'm sparring him or we're moving around drilling sort of specific fight scenarios. But it's been, it's been amazing, man. And it's been like just another quality camp, just hard work's getting done. And I'm, I have the benefit of doing it alongside the, the world champion in my weight class. Everyone that we've spoken to, how much passion he gets out of teaching and guiding everyone through that coaching element that Volk has, like, is he, can you, do you see that on a daily? I know you've said it with Jack's even said it when we've had Jenkins on, um, we obviously saw it on the ultimate fighter series as well. His face just lights up when he has that moment with his fighters. Um, that's obviously a clear path for him down the track. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Like when he's, when he did down the line, when he gets to that point where he's sort of done competing himself, I have no doubt that he will continue to just sort of coach and still be fully in, involved and invested in the sport, sort of similar to what we're seeing now from like Khabib and that. Uh, yeah, Volk's a, a really good sort of – he's got those – he's got the good qualities to be able to be in like a, a world championship level coach. You know, it's hard for fighters to – sometimes you see fighters that are like really good fighters but then they, they can't really make that transition to, to coaching or it doesn't really sort of pan out where – for him, it's he's one of those rare individuals where it's it's going to be seamless, and it is seamless because he's already kind of doing it. Like, you know, he's you know alongside Joe, he's my other coach. He's the other person that's helping me sort of develop, improve. He's helping break down these sort of game plans, finding these things to work on. Like, and there's sort of similarities like where I where I have things how how I approach it and how he approaches it that I can draw from and sort of you know get the the things I need at the time when I feel like I need it the most. So like after I fought Josh Riley in Melbourne earlier in the year, I was on the plane, like with, 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 with uh, Alex and Joe flying back. And like, I was watching my fight 
on the plane and I was writing notes and I was taking notes and Volk was sitting there breaking it down with me and we were picking out the things that we did well, the things that we need to work on. And we were sort of going back and forth. And then Joe was breaking down, you know, some areas that we could sort of exploit moving forward with other opponents, some areas we need to sort of fine tune and work, work together with, you know, and, and kind of improve on. And, you know, that sort of stuff like that, that kind of shows you that this guy is a hundred percent invested into not only his own journey, but the journey of the people around him and, and that he sort of touches and affects on a daily basis. Mate, that probably leads us in perfectly. Alec versus Max, and then we've got Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Keys for victory. Now, you've seen him close up. You've seen the game plan. Now, we don't need it. Obviously, I don't. I know Max and his team aren't listening to the Runner Back podcast, but um, can you give us the keys to victory for Volk against Max? Because this is the third time. What could possibly change for Max uh, if he has any chance of beating Alex? Well, first off, like I'd say credit to Max for changing up his style so much in the second fight. I mean, I don't think anyone thought there was going to be that much of a significant change. Uh, he sort of went from being the Max that has his hands down, just leaning forward, you know, to being sort of more upright, sort of in a Muay Thai style, um, you know, kind of obviously wanting to be ready to deal with those leg kicks that he had so much trouble with in the first fight. Um, do I see him making crazy complete adjustments in this third fight not really because we would have seen shades of that in his fights with Rodriguez and Cater um, so I don't think Max is going to come to the table with this fresh brand new style change like I don't think we're going to see D1 Max coming in there or like or anything like that so I, I, I just feel like it's going to be it's going to be what's going to be the keys here for Volk is going to be he has to exploit those areas that Max lacks in being that he's easy to hit. He likes to get hit. He, he, he almost welcomes it in, in terms of he, he, he'll take like those punches willingly, especially when he is in the flow of things and he is throwing combinations and landing it a bit. He will take punches because he, to, and just kind of keep going, just keep pressing forward. Um, you know, the, the simple things that worked in the first fight, the constant, movement, the stance changes, the distance control, the feints, um, working in the kicks. Uh, but I feel like the biggest thing here is going to be the improvements that Volk's made and the levels better that he's become since that sort of first fight, since the second fight. And you see in the performance that he put on last time out, you know, that like people are like, oh yeah, zombie is a bit, you know, it's, it's zombie and it's a, it's a bit different, but it doesn't matter who was in front of him that night. He was going to be able to do that. He's, he's just that good and he's just gotten that much better. And I feel like the keys for him this time around is going to be draw out the counters and the sort of traps that Max is going to set for him that he likes to sort of utilize and then capitalize on the second phase. Because obviously, like we said, Max gets hit a lot, but now it's about in those exchanges, in that second phase, really putting it on him, really trying to hit him with those bigger, harder, faster shots that we've seen come out of Volk in, in recent times. And then I feel like that's what's going to sort of wear on him and be able to uh, open the opportunity for him to put him away. Um, the two outcomes, there's two outcomes this fight, how this fight goes. It's either very similar to the first fight where he just outclasses him, five zip, out, outstrikes him, just kind of Max isn't able to sort of get get going, get the rhythm going, get the flow going. Or Volk touches him, hurts him and puts him away. I don't see it going another way. Yeah, <laughs> obviously we're, we're going to touch on it Um when we when we dive into our community picks and stuff like that as well, but like everyone obviously 
very rightfully lauding Max Holloway for his performance against Calvin Cater, but Volk had the Ortega fight and Volk had the the Korean zombie fight. And one thing that I when I was rewatching because they're both two two nil since their last meeting. One thing that I noticed with the Max Holloway fight is that he almost regressed a little bit from the Cater fight with the Yari Rodriguez fight. And I genuinely believe that if he didn't have his Hawaiian ungodly chin, Rodriguez, the shots that Rodriguez was able to land on him in that fight would have knocked out most featherweights. Uh, and something that we've seen, you know, in, in MMA boxing history is that chins have a limit. Chins have uh, a, a certain breaking point, and once they break, they tend to break poorly. Max Holloway is still unknocked down in the UFC. He's never been knocked down. At some point, it has to end, and Volkanovski has ridiculous power, and we know that he's going to connect on him. So um, very, very excited to see how this play, plays out. If Max Holloway can get out of this fight without being knocked down, he, he's got to go into the Hall of Fame and be for the number one chin in the in the history of MMA, but also he's got to go get studied because there's something Homer Simpson esque with his skull. <laughs> um, but I love I love what you were saying about uh, going back to w- whether or not Max Holloway will be able to adjust again, or whether or not we see like kind of a replay of the first fight because a lot of people will talk about how close the second fight was, but the first fight was not that close. It was uh, the second fight was a blowout. The leg kicks obviously paid dividends. Rewatching the second fight as well, a pretty I, you'd struggle to score that for Max. It was a closer fight, but it's still a hard one to score for Max. Um, so I'm just really, really pumped for this one. I feel like Volk's kind of missed out on the accolades because of that second Max Holloway fight being as close as it was. You see a lot of people after the Ortega fight and after the zombie fight kind of starting to give him the props that he deserves. Um, but Volk's been like the forgotten champ uh, for, for a long time, and I hope that with a clear victory here, he actually starts to get uh, the respect that he's due. Is that a statement? Is that a statement or a question? That was my it's thoughts. a very long statement. That's what <laughs> I was saying. a statement, and sorry, Dale, I want to finish it off with the question. Um, so just following Thank off you. on what uh, what you know what I like about JVH's statements had, versus yours? Had he said, says that he's going to slap cunts heads off. That's what yeah. I like. <laughs> <laughs> Is the Volk feeling like there, there's an opportunity for him to really make a statement here? Obviously, he's had two that's gone to the decision against Max, and there's been questions which, as the statement said, I, I don't think they're particularly valid. But you know, it's also remiss to completely ignore them. They're where people are sort of questioning, um, you know, particularly the second fight. Is he looking at the the number three as an opportunity? If he goes out and makes an absolute statement, he puts. It puts anything beyond doubt. It's very categorical then. I, I think he's, yeah, he sort of said it in, in other things in the lead up so far in fight week, but he sort of said to us and he said to me when I was talking to him, you know, this this one, he needs it more, not so much to put that doubts and things to bed and to sort of shut people up, but you need this one for legacy, you know, because you can, you can then, it's fully put to bed. Like that, that is going to add to your legacy. You've beaten you've beaten the other consensus best featherweight in your lifetime and you've beat him three times mm-hmm. like that. That's something special in itself. Uh, and then you've tied him for, for UFC title fight wins. And the only other person that's still got a couple more than you is Aldo with eight. So, you know, it puts Volk in a sort of special category after beating Max, um, whether he decides to move up to lightweight and challenge for another belt or not, He's definitely on track after this. Well, in my opinion, he already is, but 
he's definitely on track after this to really cement himself as the greatest featherweight of all time. I already think he is he is the greatest featherweight of all time, but this is really going to sort of like shut it out completely for him. Well, you start the conversation then around Hall of Fame status mm. once you get to that that area. So Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Uh keys of victory for Israel in this one. Um yes. Yeah, or, or, so, or do you see or do you see it going the other way with with Jared? Nah, nah. This like this this dude is not gonna offer Adesanya anything that he hasn't seen before, dealt with in in, in a million times over. He's a muscle bound dude that's got power, comes forward, wants to sort of shut your lights out. Um I like Jared Cannonier. I think he's a cool dude. I think he's a great fighter. He's always entertaining to watch. He's what five and one at middleweight or some shit. He's only lost to Whitaker. Um, you know, so it's a it's a it's a cool fight. It's a fresh fight for Izzy, but it's nothing he hasn't seen before. And I see I feel like this fight, um, in my opinion, is gonna be very, very similar ending or very similar playout sort of thing than the Adesanya Rob Wilkinson fight, if you guys remember that one. I just feel like he's going to crumble him. He's just going to he's just going to pick him apart, touch him up, do damage, and then eventually Cannonier is just going to crumble and he's just going to get put away. I don't see Adesanya having to sort of worry about anything too much. He's he's you know the what's the danger there? The danger is if Cannonier hits you and touches you, he can put you away and hurt you. Is he doesn't get touched no. and barely gets touched? And plus, he got hit by Yoel Romero. He got hit by he got hit by Costa like once or twice. Uh, Gaslam lit him up a few times in that fight, you know, when that that crazy fight, but he ultimately adjusted to that and ended up putting him away nearly and then winning the fight. So I just don't see that happening. And obviously he's levels better than he was since then. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be very hard for Cannoneer to present something that he hasn't seen before and be able to capitalize and find success. I feel like Izzy's just going to pick him apart uh is going to start getting desperate. It's going to open up some some sort of avenues for Izzy to capitalize and put him away. And then we're going to be sitting here talking about what's next for the bloke. And the, uh, to be honest, there's not much on the on the horizon for him still at middleweight after this. There's the winner of Strickland and Pereira, but... I was going to say, what, what's your thought on that? Because Pajaya's obviously got the kickboxing victory over him, or two of them, um, but he's only 5-1 and one in, in MMA. So... What would you what what would your thinking be? Because Izzy's kind of cleared out the middleweight division, and he's had that unsuccessful foray up into light heavyweight. If you were matchmaking, what would you do? Assuming that Pahaya and and Adesanya obviously get a win in the next one, um, I'd yeah, I'd want to see him fight the winner of Strickland and Pereira. Being and in my opinion, it's probably going to be Pereira because uh, you know Strickland likes to keep it standing and stand in the pocket and sort of throw. And to, to do that with someone like Pereira is probably not a fucking good idea. Um, and then, you know, if they make that happen, Izzy beats him. My opinion, I'd like to see Izzy move up again and do it properly this time. Not sorry, properly is probably not the right word, but I just want to see him do it in a way where he kind of maybe does pack on a little bit more size because he obviously weighed in underweight last one. Maybe pack on a little bit of weight. Uh, just get get that sort of going a, a tiny bit, add that to the sort of to 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 the to the arsenal that you have. But I'll tell you what, Adesanya versus Paul Husker would be a so fucking banger. Good. Such an exciting fight, man. There's a couple other oceanic fighters on this card. A little bit of a comment, JVH, on our on our two. We've got Brad Riddell and we've got Jessica Rose Clark. I think Brad Riddell's headlining the prelims and Jessica Rose Clark's kicking off the whole day. 
She's on the yeah. prelims. First fight of the night. So Jessica Rose Clark is fighting a girl who's pretty much a grappler, a specialist as they call them. Um, she's pretty much Ronda Rousey off Wish. I'm pretty sure she's got like <laughs> seven or eight, seven or eight submission <laughs> wins, and they're all armbars. So. Yeah, she's really, you mate, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, she's got some shit. got that some submissions the there. The uh, so yeah, as long as Jesse keeps it standing, doesn't engage in the clinching too much, keeps her distance, and then uses her her violence and aggression, and and, and just kind of looks to do damage, I think she'll be fine. So she should get the win. Uh, Brad Riddell's obviously fighting Jalen Turner, who's turned into the fucking Anzac killer at the moment. The yeah. dude's just run through everyone. But I feel like, yeah, Brad Riddell's probably, you know, uh, it's, it's it's not a matchup or a sort of skill set or guy with attributes he hasn't seen before. Um, and I feel like Brad's going to be able to capitalize on that, especially because, like, you know, I used to sort of – I was looking at Brad when he'd be fighting and that, and I'm thinking, man, obviously this guy's a really good striker and that. But then when he came to freestyle and I got to move around with him and I got to wrestle the dude and I got to grapple with him and stuff like that, he's super well-rounded. He's strong as shit. The guy's built like he's made out of fucking hardwood that they used on pirate ships back in the day. I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, he's he's very, very good. and He's very, very well-rounded. He's, he's, he's a legit mixed martial artist. So he's going to present a lot of problems for Jalen and – I feel like he's going to be able to go out there and, and style on him a bit and get get himself back in the in the sort of win column, and then we could be looking at sort of Brad Riddell versus Ruki and some shit like that next. Let's do some picks on the two fights, Statman. Yeah, so the first fight we're picking for UFC two seventy six Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway three. Uh, we need a finish and a round to get a bonus point, and I actually do have a stat for this one as well. Oh, hang on. So good. Um, Holloway is fighting against fate here, as he will be only the third fighter that has entered into a fight zero and two in UFC bouts against the same opponent. Both other times the trilogy has ended 3 0. The other two, BJ Penn and Tito Ortiz. Um, some fights, if some, only some of the fights occur inside the UFC, your odds go up, but obviously Volk and Holloway, all three have taken place inside the UFC octagon. Stoney, you're number one on the leaderboard. Sorry, I missed that. Can you say that again? Stoney, you're number (laughs) one on the leaderboard. Uh, love the, love the intro we had in terms of just the general analysis. I get a feeling DL that there's not going to be a heck of a lot of difference around the boys with this one. Uh, Volk made a great point that there's all these talk, all this talk about the the stats, um, you know, and the, and the records that Max holds in terms of landing strikes, but very rarely do they acknowledge how many he absorbs. And I think that's a, you know, it's a it's a great pickup. Uh, I would love to to pick Volk with a with a knockout finish, uh, but playing the safe money, I'm going to go Volk by decision again. Uh, but would love to see a third round TKO, boys. DL, you're next. Yeah, look, I I agree. Look. I said it before when we are talking to JVH about it, the adjustments that Max is going to make is not going to be a massive difference. And, yeah, credit that he has made a few little ones, but I don't think it's going to make any difference in this third fight. So I think I'm going to go with Stoney here and I'm going to take a decision as well uh, to Alex Volkanovsky. Snags? Are you last? Yeah, oh, you and I are tied, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I shouldn't be because you, you guys shouldn't, me You a shouldn't point. be, but yeah, we're, we're tied, mate. Jesus Christ. Boys are going to have some balls like uh, one person's podcast has to have, and I'm going to go Volk round three TKO. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I think he's going to be huge. I think so, mate, his engine's huge. I know Max's is as well. 
Um, I think he's just going to outclass him and just just bring the heat like he does. And I'm looking forward to it. I'd say there'd be some value on the on the uh, tote for yeah. that one. Oh, well, snacks. Yeah, doesn't <laughs> want to fodder. I'm I'm going I'm going bulk by round four ko. Um, I think I think very very similar to snags. Um, there seems to be a, a like a mid a mid game rally in a lot of uh, both Max's fights and against Volk. Uh, the obviously the Ortega fight in round three. Uh, was oh, Ortega's was best round, banger. and obviously Volkanovski's best round as well, because escaping that guillotine was absolutely that mental. was fucked up, wasn't it? The, 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 I actually like hurt my throat from yelling at the screen when that was <laughs> happening. That was absolutely. Mad. I can't imagine what it would be like for you, JVH, watching your teammate caught in caught in that nightmare. Um, but I, I think that Volk will come out round four strong. He did it with against KZ. He did it against uh, Brian Ortega. Came back like absolutely firing in round four for a KO. And JVH, let's get your official prediction in there as well. All right. Uh, yeah, real quick, just on the Ortega fight when he got caught in that guillotine, my fucking coffee table got sent through like nearly to the wall. So, <laughs> like, I was, it was done. That, that was, that's we, because I was screaming at the TV, We because we put him in like 5,000 guillotines through that camp. That actually led to me being able to get that triangle on Allen, like, that is one of the most technical triangle finishes you're ever going to see. And it only came to fruition because I was trying to throw all these crazy submissions on him that whole camp. So shout out to Volk for that one. And yeah, but, and um, he spent a fair bit of time with Craig Jones during that time too. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, compared to me, what are we talking about? <laughs> Sorry, um, I wasn't trying to take any shine. <laughs> really apologize. I wasn't trying to take any shine off your guillotine. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, my team, prediction, baby. my prediction is, uh, Volkanovski, round three, submission. I was going to go sub two. Do you know the weird thing is, like, uh, I think we've said it before, even when we watch just everyone, like every Australian fight, but then when we watch people like yourself, JVH fight, because you're like part of the ROB fam, like we have that same feeling that you just explained when like Volk's in the, in the, um, guillotine like we're all sitting there like fucking sweaty hands and peeking out and shit before the boys that we follow fight it's a weird feeling man like us obviously we're just on the sidelines doing doing our thing but yeah the investment's pretty heavy so uh snags will have uh sweaty hands and mum's spaghetti on uh april 16th as well spot on i, I remember sorry and july 16th what did i say april 4th july <laughs> i know that um the the Costa hit would have ruined your night, JVH, but it legit ruined our night, mm. DL. We, we were watching it around at, at DL's place. And, uh, yeah, the range of emotions, as Snag said, that you go through when you're watching someone and, and you're so invested. So, you know, shout out to, you know, to you and the coffee table uh, for getting through all the fights. <laughs> I'm surprised you still have a coffee table. Um, yeah, no, it, it's intense, isn't mm. it? It is. It is. Let's head into the main event. Uh, we've got a UFC 276 middleweight championship bout between Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. Uh and we'll Stats. start with Stone. Oh, I've, got, I've got a stat I've got a, I've got a stat for you. I've got a stat for you. <laughs> yes. Stat for you. <laughs> only only three other people have moved down two weight divisions and fought for a title and they both fought each other as Diego Sanchez and uh, Kenny Florian. They fought at middleweight for the Ultimate Fighter 1 finale and both of them fought BJ Penn at lightweight. Uh, they both lost, um, obviously, uh, so that doesn't bode well for Jared Cannonier. And one extra step as well, 
Kenny Florian actually moved down an additional weight class to featherweight Ooh. Fort Jose Aldo and also lost that title fight as well. So um, people moving down weight classes don't quite have the same success as people moving up weight classes. Stoney. Uh, Statman, I am going to jump on Israel Adesanya as uh, the lockjaw, the springbok, uh, whatever you want to call him. I'm calling him correct <laughs> right now because as he <laughs> rightly pointed out, I don't think Jerry Cannon is going to present anything that Israel hasn't seen in spades before. Uh, what I will say is... Cannonier doesn't get finished a lot. Just having a quick look at the record, he's gone down in decisions to Rob Whitaker, uh, Jan Blachowicz, and uh, Glover. Oh, the old Tex deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so decisions, losses against all of them. Uh, finished against Dominic Reyes. I'd love to see Israel get a get a finish, and it's well within his repertoire. And I'm almost almost certain he will. But again, I'm just playing it safe, boys. When you get in the lead, like very few people on this podcast will understand the pressure of maintaining a lead. So when you get in one, you're just playing a bit of a safe bat. So I'm going to go Israel Adesanya by decision deal. Oh, I was deal. Yeah, I was wanted to wait to see if he was going decision or uh, a finish. So I'm going to take a finish just to be different in this. I'm taking Izzy. I think the skill gap between the both fighters is great. Um, and you'll see it on the night. Uh, JVH pointed it out really, really clearly. Um, but I might take a third round. I was leaning to a fourth, but I think I might take a third. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be a TKO or a KO. Snags? Uh, the only way I've ever got in front uh, in this whole ladder thing is by just being bold and throwing random picks out there. So I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to go easy round one TKO. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> round one. There you go. Yeah, is that, that a thing that that's how you got in front? The My <laughs> memory is the only way you got in front is Craig and I went on the podcast and it was just you and DL. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember when I was in front until like the last like two weeks of the season or something like that? No. <laughs> I, I remember Stoney like leading, leading the pack for Yongs and then I got ahead for a week and then he took Who? back control. Who? <laughs> must have been Snags. Must have been Snags. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, he hits like a truck, but uh, as JVH said, Izzy is very, very hard to hit. Um, fun fact, Part two, Izzy Adesanya actually has the longest fight time in middleweight history. Longest average fight time, I should say, at over 16 minutes. Um, he is a counter striker and he's unfortunately faced, like when you look at the, uh, his opponents that did go to the decision, Yoel Romero didn't engage with him. So I think Jared Cannonier's only method of victory is, is attack, which does uh, bode really, really well for Israel Adesanya. Just playing the history here, I am going to go Adesanya by decision as well. Uh, I would love to see a finish here. Jared Cannonier is very hard to put away, but his fight style might make it um, might make it more likely than not. But I will take Adesanya by decision in this one. JBH. Uh, I okay in the battle of skinny black dude from Nigeria versus muscular black dude from America. <laughs> I am going to say Adesanya. Third round KO, left high kick, mm. left high kick. He's calling his move. He's doing. Oh, like he's it. doing. Who, who? Who was the? Was it? Um, who was the baseball player who used to point to the direction that he was going to hit the home oh, run? Willie Mays Hayes from Major League. Great show. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it was an actual an actual player. Oh, well, mate, that is a great Major League is one of my favorite <laughs> sport movies. Willie Mays still in third place all the time. Boys, got to go on. Same as Rudy. Rudy, great show. JVH, head, let, like I say, head kick in the third. Now, boys, we move into our individual picks. Uh, I've worded JVH up here. I hope he's got one. 
Stony, do you have do you have an individual pick for us? Sorry, stop. Man. And I, I took are, over, you, your, you, I took over yeah. your segment then. Sorry. No, you're fine, mate. Uh, is the question: Do I have an individual pick? No, it's 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 not. Do you have an individual pick? It's are you going to risk more than a dollar one favorite this time around? Or are you, the gap, you know the gap's only one. It's like I'm ten, you're eleven. Exactly. Hence why I'm playing it safe. Okay, but, cool. I'm just checking. But boys, funny story. My DMs <laughs> blew up after last week. Deal. Right. Oh no. Yeah, blew up. Saying Sony, you're playing it too safe. Uh, I said, all right, boys and girls, just wait. Uh, till this week and I'll knock your socks off. So um, I've gone on Jez Cameron for most goals yep. uh, the, the first week, which got up at $4 or something. Yep. I went on Jez Cameron for any time goal. Yeah, you kicked a goal. Which got up. Yep. Uh, I'm going on Jez Cameron again, boys. <sighs> Third week in a row. People might say it's getting a bit boring. But yeah, a little bit. Just keeps winning. Going for first goal of the game. So we're playing North Melbourne, boys. Uh, Geelong Whoa. should spank them by 120 plus. So I'm getting on Jez Cameron, who's paying a hefty $6 oh. for first goal deal, and I think that's smart money, step man. So you lock me in for another six points. Put some no, seven no, so the, cap is, no, no. the cap is five caps points, five. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> caps okay, five. Okay, cap, oh, is, cap he, is five. I'll he take knew, five. He knew this was going to happen. I'll yeah. take five. You can put all these little uh, barriers to try and <laughs> keep me in check, boys, but it will not work. Just like JVH, I'm on a tear. Just try and stop me. DL. <laughs> Uh, well, this this is even this is great for me because I think that bet's really risky for Stony because if it pays off, great. But if it doesn't, so I might shorten my odds a little bit, and I'm going to go to the F ones. The British Grand Prix is on this weekend. I think it is this weekend. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take a top six finish for Lewis Hamilton. It's a dollar thirty. That's got to be a home Grand Prix. As long as his Mercedes has got the reliability to go all the way to the end. Oh, um, of course it does. Well, they've sorted out their porpoising issues, so uh, hopefully it goes all the way to the end. So porpoising issues? What's that, dolphin or something? That's yeah, like yeah when they the, keep running over porpoises, <laughs> man. It's really fucked up. It's like when the, when the cars... Like, they, Peter aren't happy, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Por- porpoising. I think that's the word. Free willy. What's the... Um, can you remind me of the levels again? I yeah, so uh, you basically find the odds a dollar oh one to a dollar ninety nine is one point. Two dollars to two dollars ninety nine is two points. Uh, and so on to a max of five. Okay, I'm going to go anytime try scorer for the Rabbits against the Eels. I'm going to go Keenan. I don't want to try to say his last name because it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keenan. Keenan Kalamalatio. He plays in the back row, number 12. Uh, having a great year, got a great mullet as well. I think get over for the, for the Bickies and he's paying 540. Five points locked in, he's going for. Now, now, Statman, so this is without notice. I thought maybe okay. we could start a little guest leaderboard as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when guests come in, um, but we do double points for guests. Yeah, give them, give them a shot at yeah. the, the end game. we don't have a guest on every episode, so you've got to give them an opportunity mm. to do it. So JVH has put in two picks on our community picks, so he's got double points for those. And then individual point. Have you got like something it. for us, mate, that's going to chase a bit of value or something that's safe? What are you going to do for the uh, guests of the runner back? Podcast? I am gonna, I'm gonna chase some value. I think uh, I'm gonna go with because obviously Origin Game Three is coming up. Ooh. We're playing up in Queensland, Suncorp Stadium. Uh, I'm gonna go with Nathan Cleary. A hat trick. A hat trick. Score a hat trick. That's gonna be the move. And when I looked earlier today, uh, for him to score a hat trick, it was like 
five dollars some something, five six dollars something. <laughs> so. We're, like, we're, 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 like, we're lucky in for five, 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 five points. And there, double points, it would points. be 10 points. It'd be Mate, 10 points, points for, boys. Lock him in for 10 yeah. points. So you'll no, go right, straight past 20, snags man. with that one bet. So well, it's a pretty good bet. <laughs> Hey, DL, I've got to chuck in my individual pick as well. Oh, sorry, mate. No, you're right. You can just, you can just, you can just move it in the background. So, my Go on, then. Was that a professional we're, pause so I could edit? We're waiting. No, that, was, that, was, that was me giving some space on either side. Of it, so it's not oh, too... I appreciate that. That's... My individual pick, I'm going Brad Riddell uh, over Jalen Turner. It's a little nerve-wracking, Jalen Turner. Anyone who can... Anyone who can TKO Jamie Malarkey obviously has dame, uh, dynamite in his fists, but Brad Riddell is is like kickboxing personified. We we saw he uh, do amazing feats in the UFC so far, including the live fight against Jamie Malarkey um, at UFC 243, which I believe won our uh, runner back first ever fight of the year. Uh, Brad Riddell is paying two dollars twenty three, so I'll be hoping to lock away two points for that one. Sorry, Snapman. Not used to snags sliding in before you, so no, threw threw me out. Ho- ho- hopefully, by the end of this, disrespect. I'll be going before him. So it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll see the how we go. Disrespect I get on this podcast for being the best looking and the funniest is absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> well, JBH, thanks for joining us. Now, mate, it's up to you. We've got one more segment left, and it's Stony's Tool of the Week. Lay it on me. Ooh. Lay it on me. Spoiler alert. No. He's yeah. like, nah, I've got to go, mate. No, nah, man. <laughs> oh, Stony segment. Oh. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> All right, boys. As you know, after the picks for the episode, we jump into our favorite ending segment, Stony's. Now, thank you for that, DL. Uh, got a good one this week. And I want to ask you a question. Mm. Have you ever felt so passionate about an issue that you just wanted to have your voice heard? Absolutely. Have you ever felt so passionate about an issue that you wanted to just do something crazy to get noticed? <laughs> no, yeah. that'd be a firm. No, he wouldn't even ride a bike with me at Benigo one time because oh. it's against the law. Fuck off, Snacks. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to interrupt the segment, Snacks. Okay, so third deal. Have you ever felt so passionate you thought you'd want to vandalise the Mona Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Right, boys, buckle up. So this week, uh, just been the Mona Lisa, uh, obviously a very famous piece of artwork uh, over in the Louvre, was attacked by a cake-throwing eco-warrior deal (laughs) in a bizarre stunt that thankfully failed to damage her famous smile. Mm. Now, firstly, I think that smile is just a tad overrated, boys. Um, But... (laughs) Videos were posted onto social media, DL, and it appeared to show a young man in a wig wearing lipstick in a wheelchair. (laughs) So instantly my mind goes back to that sounds like every eco-warrior I know. Um, But, yeah, so he he rolled in dressed as an old lady in a wheelchair and then at the last minute, DL, he leapt up and smeared frosting (laughs) Over the Mona Lisa. Now, does this mayonnaise brain imbecile not realise that there's like 50,000 layers of glass before the Mona Lisa? They don't, just don't have a, a painting estimated to be $800 million DL sitting out there so a little kid can draw with a crayon on it. So he was going to make a statement in the name of climate change mm. by uh, defacing the most famous bit of artwork in the world. So I thought that was a worthy nomination for Tool of the Week. Can I just say, Stoney... You're talking about it though, aren't you? 
<laughs> now I'm aware of climate change. Yeah. Correct. Well, it brings awareness. So, which what I would like to say, yeah, I'm going to turn me heater down. Brings me to my, to my next point, off. boys. Shut so, down the podcast unless we're running on solar. We might have dissenting views on on climate change potentially. Um, for example, DL, my view may dissent from Statman's and yep. 95% of scientists, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> But does it need awareness? Because regardless of what you actually think about climate change, we're all aware of the issue. We've all got a, a, a take on it. So does defacing poor old fucking Lisa over at the Louvre, does that do much in the, in the battle? Does that do much to battle climate change? I don't think so. But let's just say he was successful, DL, and let's say he, he, he smeared that fucking frosting all over her poor face. <laughs> and, they, and they have to go and restore it. Now you would think that we've got some some pretty uh, high level technology and some yep. pretty adequate. Uh, what do you call someone who does restorations? A restorator. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that we've um, we've got some pretty high level ones, but Statman introduced me to one of the most hilarious things I have ever seen. DL, what's it called, Statman? Uh, it was, uh, oh, what was it? They call it monkey Christ now because it, they made it look like a, a look like a monkey. Um, but it was a, a, a fresco in Borgia, Spain. Um, I forget what the name of the painting actually was. Cause you, you can't see anything other than monkey Christ anymore. <laughs> so it's called the, the fresco restoration. And what I'll do boys, sorry, I'm not as advanced with like I was with the heat map, but I'll get an image up <laughs> as we're talking. It's, uh, it's one of the most hilarious things, DL, uh, I've ever seen. And no doubt when we put the content to air, you'll... Um, we'll <laughs> do it doesn't I'll sound do very funny magic. at the moment, not being able to look at it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you get a full laptop. Don't you have a phone or something? Well, so I don't know how that looks in the light. Oh my I don't God. know DL can see like it. my buddy eight-year-old drew that. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a very famous painting that got, had to get restored. And that's the fucking that, that's the job stacks. That's it. That that's not a, an eight-year-old. That that's a professional restoration. So spare a thought for the poor old Mona Lisa. Had this maniac succeeded and actually damaged poor old Mona poor Lisa, Lisa. We, we would be in a world of strife because that's the quality of restorations happening in the world of art, boys. Uh, so climate change. <laughs> <laughs> was that a nomination or was that the tool of the week? No, that wasn't. That was the, oh, the, the, the eco terrorist dude. <laughs> yeah. I think Zach the Greenkeeper was a better one, but I'll take it. Well, we can't, I, Zach the Greenskeeper was a fucking hilarious one, but a bit like um, who, who's a generational uh, Michael Jordan deal. Mm. Zach the Greenskeeper, we're we're going to struggle if the the expectation is tool. we we yeah. live up to mm. a generational tool every fortnight. They come around as the name implies, snacks. Once in a generation. So <laughs> let's uh, let's just put Zach in a league of his own and just moderate those expectations. Yeah, but I thought that was a pretty funny one. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. That was a good one. I actually, I'm pretty sure that the real Mona Lisa isn't even on display. So. I was going to say, I've got like a really <laughs> low-level conspiracy theory, uh, which seems to be relatively accurate in that they've got like 12 different Mona Lisas that they just rotate out. They've got the real one that they don't put on for public display and then they rotate out... Um, other ones, I don't, I don't know if it's it, true or not, but it, I heard it on the internet, so you know. It's extremely underwhelming the Mona Lisa when you're, you're very when, when it, you go there. Firstly, it's very small. 
It's uh, tiny. Secondly, you line up for a long time to see it, Dale. It's in a massive room. Yep. Why, why haven't they put it in a smaller room? Correct. It's a tiny you, little you pony. It's a tiny little it. painting. And there's this wall, this mural on the wall behind the Mona Lisa. Like when you turn to leave, there is a literally wall to ceiling, floor to ceiling, wall to wall mural that is one of the best pieces of art I've ever seen. It's absolutely incredible. The detail is ridiculous. You're like, why the fuck is everyone here looking at that chick? <laughs> Everyone's gathered around an A4 Just piece of paper. Rays of this unhappy lady. It's like, what the fuck yeah, are you doing? Well, and you've got to stand Lisa, 15 Lisa minutes Lisa away from it. her cards right back in the day, boys, yeah, if you absolutely. know what I mean. Absolutely. No, 100%. So I take Statman's conspiracy and I raise that. So the real Mona Lisa was stolen, DL, in 19. Jesus Christ. 11. It turned into a fucking art podcast. 1911. <laughs> so they, they never recovered it. And so you, you're correct, substantially correct, that the one that's on display, DL, is not the, the real deal. Um, so why, why would you want to try and deface a, a fake Mona Lisa behind bulletproof glass with, with cake? Well, there the big go. question if it's fake, why would you have bulletproof glass? Hmm? To keep up the keep up the disguise. The no, see so if you just had it out there handing it out to people, people would say, hang on, is this a real deal? Probably not. Well, there you go. You trick them. They wouldn't know which one to deface. People wouldn't pay $45 to get into the Louvre then. Well, they would if they were looking at the other. Uh, I'm done talking about art. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I've paid a lot less to deface something, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Well, boys, I bet JBH is glad he stuck around. Boys, that is a wrap on episode 71. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing or following is the best way to stay up to date. That's us for episode 71, boys. I'm producer DL. I am Mona Snags. I'm the Statman. <laughs> My name is Stoney. Well, you better sign yourself off, JBH, since you're still here. I am Lockjaw, and I am done. <laughs> and we'll we never see him again. <laughs> and, we'll <run> it back. <laughs> and we'll run it back with you all on the next Run It Back podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Nice, boys. Mate. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, the title for this one should be the art episode. <laughs> People will be like, why, why the fuck is it called the art episode for the first hour? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I get it. I'm with you now. <laughs>